Hello everyone. Our scripture for today is going to be from Matthew 2 verses 1 through 13. And they say, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. <clears throat> then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way in the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Will you please pray with me? <clears throat> Dear God, today I pray that everyone had a great Christmas celebrating our Savior's birth and being together with their friends and family. Um, I'm glad that you brought them all back here this morning. And I pray for Kelsey as she delivers the message, that um, the words she speaks are from you, and that the sermon today can come and dwell in each of us. Amen. Thanks. Good morning. So, like many of you, we've gotten to spend a lot of time with our family, and uh, I, have you guys ever seen like America's Funniest Home Videos or Kids Do the Darndest Things? Have you guys heard of those things? So my kids are like the epitome of that. Uh, I have a, they were actually out in the center. I don't know if you heard screaming out there, but that was them. They were running around and uh, my son was actually saying like super speed and then sprinting across the center. Um, so they do the weirdest things. Uh, and sometimes as parents, you either get the choice to laugh at them um, or if they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, you have to turn and laugh at them um, so that they don't actually do the bad behavior over and over and over again um, because they're constantly looking for our response and how we're going to respond to them and how we're going to uh, either laugh at them or, or, or uh, tell them that they're not doing the right thing or do those type of things. And that is so true with my kids. I can just see it over and over again. Uh, our kids have found a thing that they like to do. They like to tell jokes. Uh, they're not very good jokes, but they're jokes. Um, and so they love to tell jokes. And I don't remember where this particular joke started or when it started, um, but it, it is my, my son, Dax, and he's four. His, all of his punchlines to all of his jokes. Um, so he tells a joke, and then he'll say, he'll be like, why did the chicken cross the road? And I'm like, I don't know why. And he's like, banana pants. 
And I'm like, I don't understand. But it was like, I don't remember, a year or two ago, I, I think my husband told a joke, and the, the catch line was banana pants, and we laughed so hard. And so then Brindley told it again, and then we continued to laugh. And so every time the word banana pants is said in our house, it just erupts and giggles from the first time we responded to them with that joke of laughter. And it just got me reflecting on how valuable our responses to people and responses to things are because it can carry something for years that I have no idea why it makes sense now. And it, it's true that when we respond to something and give it positive light, it carries. But also when we respond to something and give it negative light, that walks with us true. That's called trauma. That's called um, things we have to walk through. Some of us have to go to therapy for with those reactions. So our responses to things are so important. And as we're coming off this season of Advent, as we're, as we're nearing the end of it, as we, we're finishing out Christmas Eve, we had Christmas Day yesterday, and we have all these things that have happened. Jesus is born. Merry Christmas, Jesus. Merry, happy birthday, Jesus. We now get to choose how we respond to Jesus. He's here, he's born, the little baby's in a manger, he's, he's come, the risen, or the, the, the birth savior, uh, the Messiah, the king of kings, lord of lords, he's here. Now what do we do? Now is our time. Now is the opportune moment where we get to say, how am I going to respond to Jesus? We're in this very valuable piece of time. How are we going to respond? If we look at the birth story, not only what um, Lauren read, but what's, what we've been reading all of December, we get to see all of those who have encountered Jesus in the birth story. There's different, there's so many different, and we actually didn't even get to read all of them. But we get to see how all of these people encountered Christ, the prophesied Messiah. How did these people? First, we have Mary. She was the first person to encounter Jesus. Hopefully, she's the first person to encounter Jesus, considering he was in her belly. An angel came to her in a dream. So she got to, she got to physically encounter Jesus. She also got to encounter Jesus through a prophecy. And she got this dream, like, hey, you're going to carry this child. It's God's child. He's yours. Probably a little reluctance at first, but eventually she accepted this. She prepared for it, and she got ready. John the Baptist, he was one of, the, one of the first people to respond to Jesus, which is interesting because John the Baptist and Jesus actually didn't face-to-face -face meet until many years later in their ministry. But when, when Mary went to go visit uh, her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And so when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she got to go visit them. And as soon as she hugged Elizabeth, John the Baptist, in her, his mother's womb, jumped for joy, it says. It says that her, her, the, the, the baby inside of her jumped for joy. And so when John the Baptist encountered Jesus belly to belly, even through a womb, there was excitement. And there was, uh, there was a physical movement inside his mother's womb. Then we look at Joseph, the, the father of Mary, Mary's betrothed. He was much like Mary, got an angel through a dream uh, in Matthew 1. And the, and the angel said, this is what's going to happen, and this is, this is what you need to do. Joseph should have been reluctant. <laughs> I mean, his, his soon-to-be wife is, is pregnant, not by him. 
Even in today's day and age, that's a little weird. But he still responded and was faithful. Then we see the shepherds. An angel came to them and said, there is the, the Savior is born. Let us go to him. And the shepherds, they went and physically encountered Jesus. And then they had that moment of, how are we going to respond? And they went away worshiping him and told all who they could know about, the, about Jesus. And then we see the wise men, what Lauren just read, the, the magi. They had a prophecy and a star. They're saying, the Savior's born, follow the star. How many of you today, if that were to happen, say, hey, God's like, hey, you need to go visit this person. Just follow the star. Could you do that? I, I couldn't do that. I know nothing about astronomy. But they did it. They followed a star to this, to this baby. And then they got to physically encounter Jesus. And then Herod. This is the, the outlier of our story, what Lauren read. Herod, he heard about the prophecy, the Messiah, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, this great king that was coming. And he never really physically got to encounter Jesus, not at first, just by word of mouth about the star and the shepherds. But he responded out of fear. Out of fear of his own title, fear of his own people, not following him and following this other king. So his response when he encountered Jesus through word of mouth and prophecy was out of fear. So while all these peoples encountered Jesus in some way, shape, or form, personally, through prophecy, or word of mouth, they all responded differently. They all had a response, but they all responded differently. That's why this moment in time is so important. We get to choose how we respond to Jesus. That's an everyday choice. We don't get to choose when we encounter Jesus. We don't get to choose when the big moments, when God says, hey, I have this plan for you and I'm going to set you forth, you need to go. We don't get to choose when that happens in our life. We don't get to say, okay, it's Sunday morning, God, I'm going to bring my Bible, I'm bringing my journal, I'm bringing my pen, I'm going to sit right there in that chair and God, I'm ready for you to tell me what to do. Or, oh God, I'm sitting in my room, I'm praying, I'm ready for you to tell me what to do. How many of us expect God to do that in that moment? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Because we're ready, and, and we're ready, and it's our timing, and it's perfect for us. But God's timing is so much per more perfect than ours. So, we don't get to choose that encounter, and so sometimes it might come at the worst time. Sometimes when we might just have a super busy day at work and we have all these projects we need to go and then all of a sudden God, through your, through your head or through something, tells you, hey, I need you to go talk to this person. Hey, I need you to go do this. Hey, I need you to go do this. You get this out-of-body out of thought that's not yours or something that, that God tells you to do and you're like, I don't have time for that. I'm busy. I'm at work. I gotta do this. I can't go follow this star. I can't go talk to this person. And our response, then, is not following Jesus. We can't always choose the most opportune moment for God to come into our lives and ask us to go do this. We may not be physically ready, we may be busy, and sometimes we may not be emotionally ready to do that either. There's all these different situations, and we all have heard the gospel. We all have heard 
about Jesus, about this good news, and we all have responded. Whether we like to think about it or not, we all have responded to Jesus and God in some way, shape, or form. It could have been out, we could have ignored it. We could have said, I'm too busy, I can't do it. Or you could have responded out of fear and been like, I don't want my life to change. I don't want what I'm doing to change. I don't want to change who I am so I can go do this. I don't want to go talk to this person because they've been mean to me or they, they're not the nicest person or, or I don't really like them. We could respond in worship, which is, the, which is the natural response when we actually encounter God. We could respond in worship, much like the Magi and the shepherds did. Shepherds did. Or like Joseph and Mary, we could respond in obedience. There's all these different responses to who Jesus is, but our response dictates our relationship and view of Jesus. How we respond to him dictates what our relationship will be with him like. There's a, uh, a one of my favorite responses to Jesus in scripture is uh, there's a story of the pigs when, um, when they encounter a, a demon-infested man and Jesus goes up to him and, the, and Jesus says uh, to this demon-infested, or talks to this demon-infested man, and then the demons speak and say, what do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Now, this is weird for to be such a motivational verse. We should all hang on our, our walls, right? Um, but I love the, the fact that these demons who are actively working against God still know who Jesus is still know the power that Jesus has and fear him and fear what he's going to do. They've encapsulated this man and controlled this man for so long and then Jesus comes and they're terrified of what Jesus will do to them. They see the power that he has and yet there's so many of us when we encounter Jesus, we ignore or we say, nah, I'm going to do my thing. But yet the demons tremble at Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is fostered through our response. And that, after our response, is when we start to develop our relationship with him. And our discovery of Jesus comes through wonder, not fear. We see what the, the scripture that Lauren read for us. It's the magi following this star, the star in the sky to go meet this, this child. And there's a reason that Jesus calls for us to have a childlike faith in Matthew 18. There's a, as I was talking about my kids earlier, you get to see your kids grow up and see all the things that they get to enjoy, they get to love, they get to not do. And I recently had a baby, Judah. He was born in, in September. And when I had my other kids, my, they were, my Brinley was young, so she didn't really understand much. But Brinley was five, and Daxon was three as I was, as I was getting pregnant, and my belly was getting bigger. And just to see their eyes grow and their, their, their wonder of what was happening with their mom and that they're going to have a baby brother and they don't exactly knows, know what that means. And when we talked about if it's going to be a boy or if it's going to be a girl, 
If it was, was going to be a girl, it was going to be Baby Unicorn, the name. And then if it was a boy, it was Baby Lion. Um, so if you see my son in a bunch of lion apparel, it's because his, his name up until about he was born was Baby Lion. And now I ask him, hey, is this Baby Lion? And they're like, no, his name's not Lion, it's Judah. And I'm like, you called him Lion, and I said that was just going to be his name. But you see my kids as, 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 as the pregnancy developed. And as we started bringing in more things, you saw them grow and you saw them learn about this thing that was happening and the wonder in their eyes. And it's just exciting to see kids. And then you also see the times that they have all this imagination. I'm sure many of you have encountered kids who were playing these weird um, robbers and cops and astronaut and robots. It's because they have such a vivid imagination and wonder of this world. And we look at, um, at the scripture, these, these magi following this star. And the, and the song, We Three Kings, and in the refrain, it says, Star of Wonder. Star of Wonder. So place yourself in the wise men's feet. Think, about, think back to biblical times and, and think back to these, these men who got this prophecy that we're going to follow this star. Now, they didn't have a short travel. So how many times do you think these men are like, okay, we got this prophecy, we're going to follow this star, and we're going to go to the Messiah. Great, let's go. Now, when we're on God's mission, you know, we're sinful people. Magi, we're sinful people. They're all probably there, and they're like, okay, they're probably like a few hours into their trip, and they're all fighting. Like, why are we following this star? This is so dumb. Maybe nothing's going to happen, and we just wasted all this time following this star to all the way here, and we're going to get nothing. Or maybe they travel some more hours and, and, and something breaks and so they have to stop. I mean, many of you have been on road trips, correct? Road trips don't always go the way we want them to go, right? Think about it. And maybe, maybe as they took a stop and they're resting their eyes and they're just dreaming and thinking about what could be at the end of this road. They get to dream about what it's going to be like to meet this Messiah. And they're wondering, and they're following this star with excitement. What could happen? What exciting act is going to happen at the end of this? What, what do I get to experience? They're following this star, the star of wonder, to meet the Messiah. This thousand-year-old prophecy, thousands-of-year-old prophecy. And they get to enjoy it. And they get to get excited for it. And as soon as they get to the place of where Jesus is, they, give him, they shower him with gifts and they worship him. Because they were ready. They were preparing themselves. They were wondering what was going to happen. They were leaving with excitement. See, wonder brings hope. Wonder leads to faith. Wonder leads to a, a powerful response. But if we look at fear, we look at the other character in the story, and we look at Herod, fear is crippling, especially if we let it rule our lives. Fear can drive us to do things that we would never think about doing. Look at Herod. He, after this, he went and he killed so many babies in fear that this child would grow up and take over his rule. He killed babies because he was afraid of it. Fear can drive us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. 
our discovery of Jesus leads to redemption. Our discovery of Jesus leads to redemption. And to get there, to get there, we have to get there with excitement and with wonder and who Jesus is and what he's done. You see, Jesus didn't come without a purpose. He came here for us. In Luke 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All of us are lost or have been at one point in our lives. And Jesus is here to seek and to save you. How will we respond? We think about Mary and Joseph and all the responses earlier. And think about how they responded. And our redemption comes through obedience, not control. So many of us like to control our lives and control what's going to happen. But oftentimes our redemption comes through obedience, not control. There's a, um, I'm sure some of you have taken um, personality tests. There's all these different personality tests. And one that I discovered recently in the past couple of years is called the Enneagram. Um, and they're saying that there's nine basic personality types, um, and then they go deeper into what each personality type is. Um, but the big thing that the Enneagram claims is that they're talking about how you have grown up, your nurture through life, and how you have learned to cope with the things in your past life, and that's what develops your personality types. And so they say you can't even type what you are until you're like mid-20s, or, or not your mid-20s, sorry, until you're like 20 years old. You can't even really type who you are because you haven't fully formed who you are. You haven't necessarily gone through all your trauma to shape who you are and, your, and how you deal with all those things. And so uh, as I was reading it, uh, the I'm a type 8, which means absolutely nothing to you, um, but they go off your biggest motivations in life and your biggest fears. And the, 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 the type 8 doesn't like to be controlled. So um, I don't have to be in control of everything, but I don't like to be controlled or being told what to do or, or those type of things. And so that's, that's hard for me, and that, that instills fear in me when, I, when I'm controlled. And so when, when Ben tries to tell me what to do or I have to do this or I'm constrained by a schedule, the control just makes me feel icky. I don't like it. So when I hear the, the sentence that our redemption comes through obedience, not control, and I'm like, man, but I like to be in control of everything. I like to, to take control of the things in my life. But my control is not as great as God's. You see, Joseph and Mary, and I don't think their plan was to get pregnant then. I don't think their plan was to have a baby. That's not what they wanted. But God came to them and said, this is what's going to happen. And Joseph could have acted out and been like, no, this is not the life I plan. This is not how I want to control it. This is not what I want to do. But yet, Joseph and Mary were obedient to the will of God. You see, the wise men, they could have not met Jesus if they wouldn't have listened to God and said, hey, go follow this star. And they could have said, I'm not following this star. That doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? But yet out of obedience, they followed the star and they met the Messiah. 
without the obedience and the yielding to God, there wouldn't have been Joseph in the story. Joseph wouldn't have been, played the biggest part in bringing the Savior to the world. People wouldn't have encountered Jesus or seen who he was. And then we look at Herod, the other person. All he wanted was control. He wanted to control everything. Control his kingdom, control his reign, control his rule. And we see where that led him. Killing babies and not meeting Jesus. Our redemption comes through yielded obedience. Our redemption comes through yielded obedience. Obedience sometimes is an icky word. I know that I don't love the word obedience, but it's what God calls us to do. We cannot control our lives and make our lives so good enough that we will get into heaven. We can't make, we, are, we have no capacity to make our, make our lives good. We will always fail. Our works will not get us to heaven. We're sinful people. I'm sinful people. I sin. We are broken. And nothing you do, you do can get you to be perfect. Paul says in Ephesians, For it is by grace, by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We can't boast in our works. We can't. They're not good enough. They are not comparable to the holy God. But by God's grace, and by his love for us, and his greatness, he has saved us through Jesus Christ, through the gift of the birth of the Messiah, or the birth of Jesus. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. And so hearing this gospel message, the message from Jesus that he came to save you and you can't do anything but yet yield to him, how will you respond? How will you respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? Because we are in this opportune moment where we can take this gift and yield to him. Let's pray. God, in this moment, in this hustle and bustle of this time where we have done so many things for Christmas or done so many things for December or done nothing at all, we sit here and we, we're, we're sitting here and, we're, and we say, now what? Christmas is over. You've been born. What do we do? We look at the Magi about in the scripture we read and how they, they came to you after you were born and they worshipped and they gave gifts and, and we think about it and how can we respond in that way? How can we give of ourselves, give of our, our worship, give of our gifts to you that we can yield everything we have to you and be obedient to the work that you have in our lives? God, I pray for the, all the people in this room, all the people watching online, that they would take this moment and they would respond to you. They would commit to you and they would, they would yield themselves and their lives to who you are. Because that's the good news of the gospel. You came to save us while we were still sinners. 
And it's not by our works, but by your grace that we are saved. So God, today, let us respond to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.